Coming up, we're talking about Milos Ninkovic again on the FPF podcast. This time, he has completed the move to the Western Sydney Wanderers. And we're going to have our, I guess, immediate reactions to it with Ian Pulzinski. And Jeremy Magon is joining us on the podcast as well. And we'll get to him in a second. But yeah, Ninkovic joining Western Sydney. Huge news that has rocked the league in earlier this week. And uh, we're going to break down our thoughts on the deal. We already did touch on it in quite a bit of detail. uh, Myself, Cody, and Antonis in a previous podcast. So we're not going to talk about it too much. Just give a, a brief overview and our brief thoughts on the move actually finally going through. Which is probably the biggest surprise out of all of it. Then though... Why Jeremy will be joining us on the podcast. He is, I guess, our French football correspondent, French Oz football correspondent, you might call him. But yeah, um, that's what we like to call him anyway. And he'll be joining us to talk a little bit about a couple of the Wanderers' new signings. So still staying on the Western Sydney theme, we're going to talk about Yeni Bakoto. Again, you have to excuse me on the pronunciation of some of these. And then Roman Amalfitano, that one's pretty easy. Uh, to be honest, we're going to talk about them, what they can bring. Jeremy's going to bring in his French football expertise to talk a little bit about uh, their career path so far and what Wanderers fans can expect from them. And then we're going to talk about some Aussies going the other way, going to France with Mohamed Torre and Yaya Dukouli. Now, that was a while ago, but uh, since we had Jeremy on, we just thought we'd talk about that and get his thoughts on the club they're joining. Again, I'm going to butcher this one. This name, but Stade de Reims, I think, or Race, something like that. I think I've screwed it up. I screwed it up many times in the podcast. You'll hear anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, again, Jeremy will be going through that and what we can expect. What, particularly for Adelaide United fans, you're probably wondering how Mohamed Torre is going to go in particular over there. Uh, this will be a good listen because you can get an idea of um, the French club he's joining and and uh, really you'll find that the way they operate might even be quite similar to Adelaide United. But anyway, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, and then we're going to save probably one of the more funnier topics from this week in the Australian football scene uh, for the end. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Usain Bolt and some of his comments about his failed attempt to play in the A-League because, um, to be honest... It was pretty moronic, Um, let's just put it that way, and uh, yeah, so you can get a sense of what I'm going to be saying in this podcast about uh, Usain and some of his comments on the A-League, but anyway, this will be a shorter podcast than usual, short and sweet, and um, yeah, I'm your host Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, so we're taping this podcast on a Monday night this week, uh, not a Sunday night or a Thursday night, new new time slot, and we have a new guest making his first appearance on the FBF podcast, and it is our our writer, we like to call him the French, the French Oz football correspondent, Jeremy Magon, I think I'm saying that correctly, yeah? You are, you are Christian, <laughs> thank you, thanks for having me. And uh, and then we're joined by um joined by Ian as well. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice intro. <laughs> it went high and then it went low. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, oh, good to be good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a bit more of a short and sweet kind of podcast. Um, I think um, you know the the nearing on two hour podcasts. Um, that that's my sort of taste. I don't know if it's uh, everyone else's sort of taste. So we'll keep this one short and sweet, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the big news from yesterday. Milos Ninkovic joined the Western Sydney Wanderers, um, and then we will use Jeremy's expertise to talk a little bit about some of the new French signings in the A-League, Roman and Malfitano and uh, Yeni Mbakoto. I think I've said that somewhat. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and then we'll also talk about some of the some of the A-League youngsters who went to France, the, obviously the two most notable ones, uh, uh, Mohamed Torre. I was about to say Yaya Torre, actually, there. That was funny. Anyway, and uh, the reason why is because the next guy who joined, of course, was Yaya Takuli. So I was just getting a little mixed up there. But yeah, they both joined. Now, Jeremy was telling us this off air. Stad Race, I think. Race. I was, I was close. Race. Stad de Race. There you go. There you go. So um, they've joined them. That was a while ago. But um, since Jeremy's here, we just thought we'd talk about that. And then we'll talk about some of the comments from Usain Bolt earlier today about his... Um, were they were they actually today, Ian? Was it... He made those today, or was that just uh, like yesterday? Uh, and then I think the uh, the YouTube video was published today. Uh, they may have done the vi- uh, the interview maybe uh, two or three days ago, but um, yeah, it just surfaced up today on um, yeah. YouTube or on Twitter, and uh, it just has exploded. So when, yeah, when we, someone talks, when, yeah, and when front, someone front talks page bad football, about his... front page football got their noses in there, and um, you know, yeah. <laughs> are reaping the rewards engagement wise. Um, Christian, when someone talks bad about Australian football, then you get the lashing. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but he said that already last year in like March twenty one or something to a Jamaican yeah. radio. Because I was looking into it and I was like, "Wow, where does that come from?" And then I found like almost the exact same words, but of course it was just to um, somebody in Jamaica. So maybe the the noise didn't go out. Uh, but he said about like roughly the same thing. He he did repeat it though this week. So he's mm. he's doubling yeah, down I, on his comments. He probably didn't get enough mm. enough for it last year. So now he was waiting for it. Yeah, yep. And uh yeah, um I'm just basically gonna cane him. Um so we'll um <laughs> just give you a just give you a heads up about that. Anyway, let's uh let's talk about Ninkovic then. So my biggest takeaway from this transfer is that the the biggest winner here from this transfer is the league and not either the Wanderers or Sydney FC. I've actually seen a couple of people say that as well, obviously because of the buzz and the interest and the, the shithousery that this transfer is going to create come the Sydney derbies this season. And also, because I just don't think for either team, this is a great deal. I think for the Wanderers, you could argue, okay, they're getting someone who's an experienced winner, has been there and done that in the A-League for many years now. But as we said, as I said on the, on the last podcast, um, about Ninkovic is that he is on a slow decline. He doesn't have the same dominance of games like he used to. And with the other signings, that was what Cody pointed out, the other signings that the Wanderers are making, all younger players, most of them, trying to poach basically from other A-League clubs. And then they've gone and for me almost not ruined it, but Ninkovic could now be a a guy who blocks a pathway now for a younger guy coming through and, and starting in starting in the team. So I don't know how that, you know, it seems like a kind of strange shift in the transfer policy that they've been sticking to so far. And then for Sydney, I think the whole situation has made them look foolish. Uh, um, 
from the Instagram video to the three short paragraph statement that was released the morning after and then just the whole awkwardness of it. And then I guess for Sydney, though, the positive could be, is it a silver lining that, again, he is past his best and you're getting him off the books, getting him off, I guess, the wage structure as well. Um, and again, for them, part of their rebuild, it kind of might work for them in that sense to to get rid of an older player. But uh, Ian, I will throw it to you because we haven't heard your thoughts on this yet. What, what are your thoughts on the transfer? Well, Christian, one thing about this signing that I will just notice, I've looked at Wikipedia and obviously with Wikipedia, you can always change or whatever, but Ninkovic is a foreigner. He's a visa player, which is interesting because um, I thought the whole situation with Sydney FC was that he wanted to be a citizen or some family issues. I'm not too sure. I think Sydney <laughs> wanted him to be a citizen so they could get him off of that visa spot. That's what I think is at play here. Yeah, and um, obviously it's Wikipedia, so and I don't know, anyone can manage that. But Ninkovic as a foreigner, taking that visa spot, I think Wanderers are a bit... Uh, I don't know, they could have used it on another player coming in from overseas. I just think that this signing, I listened to the RBTV podcast on YouTube, the uh, Red and Black Block, um, you know, they got their own podcast or whatever. And I agree with, um, his name is Banana. And I agree with him saying that this is a- Great name. Great bad, name. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I agree with him saying that it's a, it's not a good signing for, for the Wanderers, definitely. I, I don't think so. I don't think Ninkovic has got the minutes in him. Um, I just don't think that he will offer as much as he did at Sydney FC. And as you said earlier, I just think that this is a signing for the league doesn't really benefit both parties. That's what I've got to say. Well, I think on the length of the deal, though, it is a one-year deal. So they don't have any sort of need to give him minutes. They don't have to. You know, it is a one-year deal. And if things go really badly and he's really that bad, I'm sure they could just cut his deal come January. Um, uh, Christian, come Christian I, I think that it's a one-year deal, but he's staying at the club for an extra two years. But that must be so. That must be that coaching thing that uh, he was yeah. trying to get with Sydney, as well. But I mean, I mean, this is the thing that we spoke about in the last podcast about having these honest conversations. If he really is starting to get washed up and and he's just not going to perform, then maybe there are discussions had midway through next season to say, look, uh, you know, we obviously got you here for the longer term to be in a coaching role. Maybe it's time to start that transition earlier. Because but we don't think Christian, you're offering, yeah. So, do you think Ninkovic starts for the Wanderers? I don't he think he out. He might. He might. I don't think he should, but he might. Okay. Yeah, Jeremy, uh, what's your thoughts on the transfer? I mean, you know, if if you want to find a positive um, outcome, at least for for the Wanderers, right? Um, you're bringing somebody who has the experience, who's won, uh, who can you know help all all those youth players. If you take a an old French centric um, vision on that is going to definitely be a great help for um, the, the two the two new guys to come in and, and join because he's played in Europe before and now he's been in Australia. So he's going to be able to tell them what to do to adapt and what's different and what to expect, etc. which sure other players could have done, but he's going to come with, I was playing there, I won there. Now I'm here, I won here. This is what you're going to have to do. So so maybe that's what it does. You know, let, let's... Let's hope, and, and I mean, we've seen it at, at Sydney FC, that he's a smart leader um, and that he's able to guide the team towards getting better and, and towards understanding what it takes to actually win because, you know, the Wanderers have been in shambles. So uh, they, they need probably players like this. If, you know, if he's, if he's stubborn and he wants to have his starting spot, then probably they're going to have issues. Uh, but if he's smart and he knows himself how old he is, 
um, he, he has a role to play in the locker room in helping um, in helping Roldan and all that to, to make that team better and to bring them where they should come. Uh, hopefully, he, he does it that way. If he does it in a way that he wants to start because he thinks he's the star, then obviously they're going to have issues. Yeah, the the leadership, the winning mentality, I agree with all that. I just with the Wanderers, I'm just baffled year in year out about <laughs> about the transfer policy, honestly, and the vision. I just don't get it, honestly. I really don't. There's, it just seems like they'll make three or four signings where you think, okay, yep, this might be the direction they're going in. And then, okay, let's go sign a 38 year old or 37 year old, whatever it is. So I don't, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you have to, if you're signing, if you're going to sign a young players, it doesn't mean you have to make them all young players. That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but it just, if there has to be some sort of, because we'll talk about, the, the of course the French signings they've made later now they're also the wrong side of thirty so you've got like this mix of a few thirty year olds thirty five plus and then you've got a few younger players so now I'm starting to think well you know how's this all going to kind of fit is this a theory that if we get younger guys who can help us a little bit this season but maybe with more of an eye on the future but then we've got these more experienced guys coming in who know how to win straight away, maybe we can strike a perfect balance. But I, I don't know. Uh, personally, Ian, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know as well. This is a weird one for me. I just don't know if Wanderers... Like, what do they... Do they see Ninkovic as a role model on the field or in the locker room? Or I just don't understand why they're making this signing. I just understand why. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that, that question... Why are they signing Ninkovic? Like, what's the reason? Normally, when you sign players, yep, we want to play this style, uh, experience, or whatever. And Ninkovic does have experience, but will he offer the same thing that he did at Sydney FC to the Wanderers? I don't think so. I highly doubt that. And the other thing is, and this is going to be maybe a far-fetched suggestion, but we, we've seen the APL this offseason so far as having more of a, let's, how do we put it, a say in the transfers and 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 what's going on in terms of what how clubs are buying and what they're buying and we've seen that with the 35 player marquee list that they've drawn up as well is this is there any theory here that the APL tried to push the wanderers to go for this signing or anything like that to basically make the Sydney derby a bit more respectable again and draw fans and and all this stuff is that far fetched jeremy oh no i think i think you know by getting ninkovic um West, uh, Western Sydney, both Sydney FC a crowd uh, for, for their home game for sure. Um, you know, if people would think, oh, it's a game that doesn't matter in case the Wanderers are playing as bad as they were last year, now they'll show up. Um, so, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, we we know what has happened in the A League since it was uh, built and how many times deals like this um, have happened. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was just one more uh, in in the history of how to find a deal that's going to make everybody talk about us, and that would be. To be fair, a good one, you know, except for Ninkovic himself, maybe because I don't know um, if there if there were and there's a few some diehard hards in in Sydney FC. Um, you know, Ninkovic doesn't want to really meet them in the street because being insulted while you're walking in the street is not uh, a nice feeling. And maybe in Australia, some players aren't used to have it, but Ninkovic is probably about. To I don't. I don't taste think, a bit of that. I don't think. I don't think we'd get that here. I think. I think we should. I'd love to. Honestly, like not. Not like <laughs> the other way around. You it, would. I, I don't mean it in like I'm like promoting like any violence or anything here, but I would kind of just just to have a bit more of that kind of European. I always talk about it, but I just love that kind of European sort of 
being so passionate about your club like that um yeah. that you, you basically just go out and kind of insult and just abuse uh a guy who moved but i was thinking about this as well jeremy the so players who have basically been traders over the years so one which sprang to mind probably the most notable one for when i was little was when marcus flores joined melbourne victory that was pretty intense and i remember the uh, the judas stuff when he came back um to adelaide when he was playing for victory i guess the more recent one could be costa barbarusas um when he went to sydney and then i saw something to, <laughs> i saw a post i don't know if it was today or yesterday but they had I, I can't remember who it was but they were basically mentioning like you know who's been the biggest kind of you know traders what's the, kind of the biggest controversial transfers in league history and then they had uh what's his name matthew miller on there going from the Mariners <laughs> to Newcastle. Now, look, don't get me wrong. We, we know the F3 derby, you know, it, it, it can get sort of spicy, but uh, mm. I don't think um, it's anywhere near this. This is uh, this would have to be up there. Someone compared this to if, if Archie Thompson went and signed for Melbourne City or Melbourne Heart back in the day, which, Jesus, that would have been unbelievable. That, but- would, have been, that would have been lit, that one. That would have been good. But also, Christian, another good one that I remember vividly was Janjanovic. When he joined our Wanderers. Well, funny you mention that. Funny you mention that because if the Sydney fans threw all those toy snakes like they did at Vedran Yanovich when he moved, what on earth are they going to do in Milosevic? Because don't get me wrong, Vedran Yanovich, you know, at times he can be a solid keeper, but we all know about like the howl he had with the Wanderers, that that game, of course, against Brisbane where he gave away the corner. Um, That's, that's, you know, one of those PK League moments. But, um, you know, this is veteran Yanjevic. He's nothing more than like an average goalkeeper. And now we're talking about Milos Ninkovic, who's one of the best players to ever play for Sydney FC. But you, you know what, Christian? I like a bit off topic, but with the Ninkovic uh, saga and everything, it's a, it's surprising, or maybe not uh, very surprising, to see Wanderers fans are not overly happy with this. That mm. the overall mood about this Ninkovic signing is okay, but some are happy, some are pleased. Yay, we got Ninkovic. But then, as I said earlier, the RBTV podcast. Those fans are very angry. They're, they're not happy. So it would have been a bit more spicy if both, uh, sorry, if the Wanderers were more happy with this signing. But the mood in the Wanderers fans I see online is nah, not really uh, positive. They're not very happy about this signing. So look, while it might be good for like PR and advertising, I don't think Wanderers fans are too overly, uh, overly happy with this signing. I reckon... Well, you'd hope that the Wanderers fans, after seeing so many years of failure, are now starting to basically question what their club is doing. And now they're starting to think a bit more critically about, you know, what are we doing with signings and scrutinizing more signings. And I think that's what's maybe playing out here is that they're looking at this and thinking, just kind of like what I'm saying before, in terms of, you know, why are we signing a, you know, a 38, 37, 38 year old when, when we should maybe changing our policy and going with the younger players like, like we have a little bit. In this window so far but you know even even the young guys they signed um you know sarpsford new and off you know these are guys who are like it's not like signing i don't know it's not like when macarthur signed danny de silva from the mariners you know that that was a guy who's kind of been there and done that even though he's a young player you know sarps was untested at a league level for example so yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I guess it's one that you're going to have to give time and, and we'll see how it goes. But Jeremy, any any last thoughts? I'm just looking forward to seeing the, the, the Sydney fan coming out and, and doing something. If it was the other way around, the, the Wanderers would definitely uh, 
welcoming properly. Yeah. So hopefully the 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 cove is able to do something about that. Um, I, I think if I was if I was the one one of the fans, if anything, that's probably what I would play on as well. I just I know that I'm not very happy about the signing of that player, but I'm pretty happy that I took somebody from from the Sydney FC fans. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna have to take the wins. I think, uh, Ian, what uh, what are the Sydney fans doing first Sydney derby? What are they doing in Inkovich? What uh, what's on, what's being written on the TIFA? Oh, I'm not too sure it's written on the TIFA, but what I can assure is the word trader will be mostly will be the most word most uh, used word in this inside the stadium. Trader snake, um, the C that word. Would, that would that would <laughs> underwhelm me. I want I want something like I want something. Big something like personal, <laughs> personal. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can be uh, Marseille level, but we can maybe be halfway. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's a massive Marseille fan. For for those listening, <laughs> we're very polite. We just burn trees. It's just trees. We don't touch humans. Just trees. <laughs> Actually, right. you know what would be the best yeah. one? Sorry, Christian. The best yeah. scenario: Sydney derby, packed house, and then something happens. Sydney FC next home game, closed doors. That would be the best. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right, we're gonna yeah we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we are going to do a bit of a French Oz football talk. A few transfers. Okay, so moving on to get our thoughts from our French correspondent on some of these signings in the A League offseason. So we're still on this Western Sydney Wanderers theme. If you're a Wanderers fan, then you must be loving us. We did a bit of a talk on you guys in the last pod and then we're kind of continuing that now so i guess for the next five podcasts we're not going to mention you at all anyway <laughs> so yeni in and roman amalfitano two new signings for the western sydney wanderers jeremy i'll just um i'll just throw it over to you what uh give us a bit of a quick rundown on these two yeah i guess we'll start with the the one that i don't know what is what is being bringing if I, bringing if i'm honest um in bakoto i He's, he's probably a lovely guy and, and he's, he was a very good football player. Uh, when, he, when he first came up the ranks in, in Liga, he was playing for, for Metz in the northeast of France and he scored very famously a goal to Mandanda at the Stade Vélodrome, a beautiful goal as well. Uh, and so he made a splash when he came in into Liga, um, scored a few goals, had a, a couple of solid seasons. In Ligue 2, he has a season where he, uh, he's got 12 goals and 12 assists, but we're talking about 2015-2016. Uh, and at that time, there was definitely you know, some some pretty, um, rightfully so, some build-up hype uh, around him, maybe just as a League 2, um, so the, the second division, of course, um, striker, but still, uh, there was a bit of build-up. The build-up went all the way to the, the reason why he signs at QPR, or I guess the, the conversation when he signs to QPR, is supposedly he's replacing Charlie Austin, who's also now coming to Australia. <laughs> um, so, so there was definitely some good build-up around him when he was a bit young. After that, it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit less good. His, his speed just wasn't talking enough for him technically. It's like the, the control just aren't perfect, and the way he pushes the ball so just so stereotypical of of so many strikers in France that have the speed. And when they're 18, 19, 20, everybody um, like froth when they see them playing. And then as soon as they start getting a bit older, they just don't translate. Um, so Gengar not great. Then he goes to to Panathinaikos because. Uh, at Panathinaikos at the time, it was a French um, a French president who brought a bunch of French players over. Uh, but he played um, like a few games the first season, not a game on the second season. And then he comes to Ligue 2, to Nancy, which is uh, a historical club in um, in France, 
who's struggling like like never before. And when he joined them, they're at the bottom of the table because he joined them in January, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he played a few games, but it, it makes close to zero impact. He scored three goals, but the three goals he scored uh, was when Nancy was already relegated to third division. So look, there's talent. He's fast. He's got a, a good sense of goals. At least he had a good sense of goals. If you look at his highlights from um, seven, eight years ago, you're going to find a lot of amazing stuff. The positioning is right. The runs are good. It just hasn't translated since. So, you know, you people who, the, the Euro snobs, as we say, uh, would say, ah, oh, Australia is easier. It's probably going to translate that. But you got to do the work and you're going to face defenses that are going to play uh, probably harder on you that you've seen in, in France. So, so you know, I hope that he can make a, a dent. I hope he's not coming in thinking he's on holidays because uh, it's not going to be the case. Yeah, so his stats for Mets, his first club, 53 goals in 210 games in all competitions. I had a look. So not too bad. That's basically a goal every four games on average. So, okay. And then you're right. It's just completely plateaued since. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, is he someone who could maybe be compared to maybe Benny Incololo, who, of course, signed for the Mariners last year? Is that what the Wanderers might be looking at here? Maybe looking at his success and thinking, because he is someone who did start slow last year, but then he really came to the fore for Montgomery. Yeah, you, you, you got to hope that, and maybe that's where the Ninkovic thing happened. You got to hope that, you know, he, he understands quickly what Australian football is about and that he he, he really brings it. But but yeah, in, in Ligue 2 that he knew so well, uh, the last two, the past season before Panathinaikos with Guingamp, he just wasn't as good as it used to be. And then in Nancy, he wasn't able to, to help the worst team um, that we've seen from Nancy in decades. So... Like, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a positive guy. If if he works hard, uh, there's always hope that he brings what we knew that he could do when he was a bit younger. Uh, we just haven't seen that in in a while. So, you know, Benny and Corolo finished the season pretty well with, with the Mariners. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it won't take that long for uh, for Mbakoto to, to shine. But it's, yeah, it's it's not, we're not signing somebody who was shining at 29 years old and is coming at 30 uh, you're, you're signing a guy that if he had stayed in France, I mean, Nancy tried to sign him again. They did offer him a contract, um, but there was for a third division club, right? Nobody from the second division kind of came and knocked at his door. So, so you're signing a third division uh, player. I think that's what you'll get on the field. Yeah. And so you want to talk about uh, Roman Malfatano a little bit it's as better. well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's better. And Malfatano, so he's, he's a name who, who, I've known before I've heard of because, of course, he was signed by Newcastle United back in, in 2012 in the Premier League. And that was a part of, I guess, Newcastle's big French influx that they had around that period as well. Now, Amalfitano, he, I guess, is a winger, but he, could you say he's can also play more as a midfielder kind of inside as well? Because when you look at his, you, you, we were just talking off air and you rate him very highly. Yet when you look at his statistics, he's not really a big goal scorer or anything like that either. So is he someone who's going to operate more centrally for the Wanderers, do you think? Yeah, so he's, he's not a winger anymore. He was a winger yeah. when he signed to Newcastle. And then when he comes back to, to Dijon, so he was at Stade de Reims. We'll talk about that club later. And then he went to Newcastle because he did well at Stade de Reims playing as a winger or as a midfielder. But then when he came back to, to Dijon, the club that he played the longest uh, in his career, um, he... he, he 
went back and played center mid and he actually played defensive center mid, that famous um, deep playing playmaker, that that um, that position that was almost created about 10 years ago. Uh, and, and it was it was fantastic. It was in that um, there was a Dijon team at the time uh, that was all the young players that was coming up in, in France and that then ended up making waves. So we're talking about players like Christopher Julien, who's now at the Celtics, uh, Pierre Les Melou, who I think is in Norwich now, uh, Louis Diony, who went out to make a bit of a career for himself, and, and Julio Tavares, who stayed for a long time at, at Dijon after that. And so within that team, uh, in three years, they finished sixth, fourth, and second in Ligue 2, and then they went up to Ligue 1. And he, he's always been quite underrated. Um, he has an older brother, Morgan Amafitano, who's also played in England and before that played in Marseille. Uh, and Morgan Amafitano was definitely the creative winger, trying to play number 10, goal scorer. So he was a lot compared to his older brother when he came up the ranks, um, Romain Amafitano. But when he played with Dijon and when he went back into Ligue 1, um, the first season they finished 16, the second season they finished 11th. And that season he's voted by the fans the best player of um, of their team uh, over, there was a, a Korean striker, I can't remember his name now, who had scored 20, 12 goals and Tavares had scored 11 goals and Amafitano was voted best player in Dijon over them uh, b- because he's, he was just phenomenal as a as a, yeah, as a deep-lying uh, playmaker, really. He's defensively, he's, he's just a dog. He just fights and goes for every single ball. Uh, and technically, it's it's just pretty. I mean, I, I used to play in the midfield myself and I've always looked up to players like the Iniesta, even the Busquets player that when the ball comes into their foot, it goes to the next player quickly, precisely. It doesn't have to be a shiny pass, it's just precise. And when you look at his uh, stats as far as uh, passing efficiency, I think every single season is over 85%. In Ligue 1, when you're playing with a team that has never been one of the best teams in Ligue 1, it's, it's hard enough when you're on, always under, under pressure and when you're playing with a shit team because Dijon wasn't always great. Um, still maintaining these stats is, is a prowess. And he kept that team in Liga for, for those five years, those four years, sorry. And then he leaves and then Dijon goes back to Ligue 2. Not saying that it's only uh, him, but uh, but he's definitely technically, you know, like I said, one of the most underrated players that if he had been into another club, there's no doubt that his career could have been a bit more used to it. He stayed in Dijon, like he said in his interview today. I love hearing French people speaking English because in their first interview, he said something like, uh, oh, you know, I don't change much club in my career. So but that, that's, that's exactly him. Um, he, he just is, he was very loyal to, to Dijon. You know, he, he was in Newcastle. You would think the guy could have had his head blowing, uh, but he came back to Dijon in Ligue 2 and then he signed with them two years and another two years and another two years. Uh, and he really left um, at the beginning of a couple of seasons ago uh, because he only had one year left in the contract. And by leaving, he was getting Dijon a bit of money. Uh, and obviously, he went to Saudi Arabia to make a bit of a, to make a, bit, a buck himself. I think he was paid over a million euro for, for the year that he was there. Uh, so good for him that he went there. But don't expect necessarily the goals or, or the assist, except the, the metronome, the guy who's in the middle of the park, who's always available, who works hard defensively. Uh, and who's always just going to try to facilitate the football to make sure it, it's played well. He's, he's not old, like he's only 30, 32. I mean, he hasn't played for, for five, six months now. And, and as he said in his interview again today, um, the season is still a little bit far away. Uh, but I am really looking forward to it. He's just a, he's just a pretty player to, to watch playing. Yeah, so Ian, it seems then like Amalfitano might be a bit of a replacement for both Ugarkovic and Keanu Bacchus, who both left. 
And they also got Callum Ewan off as well, who can play in that role too. So it seems like they kind of pre-planned with this one. Oh, yeah. Look, this is an interesting one. I guess, again, with Amafutano, the only issue I have that he hasn't played it in a long time, plus he's just been in the Saudi league. So that's a bit of a uh, not too sure how you go and sort of thing, a bit obscure. Don't know too much about Dion. I mean, no offense, sorry. I just don't follow the French league that much, so I wouldn't know much about Dion. Um, the club, A-League, but- A-League, A-League snob. Mm-hmm. A-League snob, yeah, I am, sorry. <clears throat> but no, I think with Amafatano, I reckon he could probably give those balls to Yengi, possibly. Uh, maybe, I don't know, use Yengi's pace to his advantage or. Again, I'm not too sure. I can't comment too much just because I just don't know too much about Amafitano. And look, Bacchus leaving is massive for the Wanderers because Bacchus always gave a little bit of legs. But then you've got Antonis as well. Um, Troisi, not too sure what's going on with that contract situation. And also Rodwell. So I wonder I wonder if could this also maybe mean Rodwell could be leaving? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. You, you, you may, it's a visa player as well, so you'd assume that he would be playing week in, week out. Um, and Wanderers, as I said, they're pretty, they look pretty stacked in the midfield. So it'll be interesting to see what happens before the season starts and what role Amafatano will play at the Wanderers. But again, I've just got no comment at this stage. Um, can't judge him. Uh, I'm just not too sure what role we'll see him. Well, I, I think Rudin's almost trying to recreate what he had a little bit at Wellington. Because what you've got here is now, of course, Wellington, that team, you had David Williams and Roy, Roy Krishna, lots of pace going forward. Here, you could have that now with Yangi and Mbakoto up front. And then in that team, he had someone in midfield controlling who is slipping my mind at the moment. Mm, I can't remember <laughs> in, in the number six role, but... um Definitely just trying to remember as well, of course, Sapreet Singh as that number 10. Now, you'd imagine he's got Mills Ninkovic now that he can plug in there as a creative number 10. So he's definitely recreating that front three. Um, and now I just, yeah, I just wonder, is that is that uh, the way to go? Is that the right thing to do to recreate what he had before? Maybe, possibly. But um, it seems like Amalfitano is going to be tasked with being, like like Jeremy said, the metronome to control the game from deep and to, yeah, essentially get get that ball progressing forward and into maybe the likes of Ninkovic. Uh, Rami Nazarene as well was a creative player too. So that that's what it looks like um, to me. I think it works out well next to Rodwell. You know, you get the, to, not to stereotype, but you get the big guy, the little guy. Uh, and at least you cover all the areas of the, uh, of the midfield. There is definitely a lot of player in that midfield though. So... Um, I don't know how Rudin's going to uh, to make them all fit. Um, Christian, just quickly, I'm just looking at that Wellington team. That was yeah, I was just about Rudin. to do that as well. Yeah, um, cheating just a little got, bit. I've got some players here that look like they're attacking. So look, you got Nathan Burns, you got David Williams. Well, you had so you um, had so you had your boy uh, Ian uh, Michel uh, Kopsinski. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm really... saying don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Now but he he was a um, he played center back though. But yeah, he, he did, but he also yeah. played. He also played centrally as well at times. Um, but there, of course, because obviously, like Devlin was much later. Um, for example, now that nineteen twenty season um, was, of course, under Tale as well. So I'm just having a quick look. I'm cheating, and 
Yeah, it was really Kopchinski. Um, Kopchinski, Kopchinski. I don't. Ian, help me out here. Oh, Kopchinski. Yeah, Kopchinski. It. <laughs> it is a. It is a chip. There you go. Yeah. Um. So, I guess he was tasked with being the number six, but you also had Johnny Stentonus at times. Not really, though. He was still younger. And then Alex Rufa, I guess, was actually someone who. He's never really, we know famously, he's never been a goal scoring threat at all, but he can uh, be that player who can kind of dictate and control from deep. But I guess Rudin didn't really have that at Wellington when I'd actually think back and I have a look now. But maybe he thinks to evolve what he had there and to get the best out of a front three, which he probably didn't have at Western United. And that's maybe where things went wrong a little bit there. He's actually needs that kind of number six who's going to deep, you know, who's going to play make from deep and control the tempo of the game. So. Um, yeah, I think Amalfitano is definitely going to be brought in to do that role. Um, um, sorry, yeah. just quickly, quickly, Jeremy, Roman Amalfitano, possible jury, uh, Johnny Warren medalist. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, like, like I said, lad, it's a, it's a talent. Dijon was a, is a team that we almost consider as nobody's in league, right? Uh, and and bringing that team to eleventh. Uh, in in the league for for somebody who's just a team that just come out from league two and that nobody expects is is definitely a task and he was he was masterful in that season um, so you know if he brings that kind of football to a league there's there's a few players that can do that but there's not a lot so you know I, maybe he won't have the the goals and the assists so maybe somebody else will take the medal but if you just look at uh, a player who's regular and if he's as good as he's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, I'm like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being one of the best season, one of the best player in that season. Yeah, so I just had a very quick look whilst you guys were talking that at, uh, at the Western United teams that Rudin had. So really, there was no presence of a natural number six in those teams either. So I'm just again, maybe I'm trying to create my own narrative here, but it just seems like maybe Rudin might be looking at what didn't work for him in the past and is thinking if I can recreate what I had going forward. Because to be fair, his teams have always been good going forward and attacking that Wellington team was very exciting to watch the Krishna, the Williams, the Singh. that was very exciting to watch. So I just wonder if he thinks maybe I need to build a team, which can have a bit more controlling games. And like we said, with the Malfitano. So anyway, we'll, um, we'll move on. Well, just, just uh, Jeremy on those two. So both played most of their career, of course, in France, but then also had stints in England. Is there anything to look into that very similar, I guess, career paths? Yeah, similar. And as as you know, it hasn't changed in 10 years. When a, when a youngster comes out in France, everybody's trying to put some money on it before he's valued at 60 million. Uh, so that's what happened. And with Romain Malfitano, people knew his older brother, so they tried to put their chips on him early. Unfortunately, he wasn't playing at his best position back then. Uh, yeah, within Bakoto, he just didn't work as well as well. But uh, but yeah, that, that same you guy... Really, you, like, really, you really don't like him, Bakoto. <laughs> I'm just well, like he, he scored against Marseille, man. You know, you get you get what you deserve. <laughs> now he's he's he was. It's just disappointing. He was one of those players that when he went up the ranks in meth, we thought, and and yet another one, another of those youngsters who's just going to make waves and who's just going to represent, you know, France and the African continent the way it should be represented. Just a great footballer, and then he just didn't follow up. You know, I'm not. I don't live with him. I don't know if it was a hygiene issue or if it was a, uh, the training or, or whatever. He saw himself too good too, too early. But um, but yeah, it's just disappointing. And and then when when I see a player like this ended up in, in Australia when his team just went down in third division, I definitely think he saw an opportunity to try and 
live the good life rather than he's coming to work hard. When I see Amalfitano, Amalfitano is deciding to, to, I don't know what happened in Saudi Arabia, but he's refusing a check to come in and play football. So I'm a bit more, you know, I'm a bit more hyped by, by that kind of move. Yeah. And all right, then we'll um, move on then and look at some players going to France as opposed to from France. So, Mohamed Torre and Yaya Dekouli, of course, signing. That was a while ago. Now. It would have been about a month ago. Signing from Adelaide United to... Here we go. I'm going to butcher the name again. <laughs> Stade Race. The city oh. of Champagne. Stade Reims. Reims. Okay. Reims. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. Now, Mohamed Torre then. So, interesting about Mohamed Torre. So, I remember interviewing him or oh, would have been... About a year ago, maybe now, I remember actually quizzing him on that because there was some reports linking him to moving to a French club even back then. And he, and he denied it. He's obviously been told to do that and deny it. You know, very well, very well media trained. And he, yeah, he was kind of like, no, I don't know, you know, I don't know what you've kind of heard there sort of thing, you know, not true. And then here we are. So he's, he's gone to France. So I just thought that was interesting. But so the thing which really pissed me off about Torre last year, and actually not about him, but the situation around him, was there just didn't seem to be a trust from Carl Viet to start him in a lot of games. I didn't really understand why. There was an explanation offered up about that he didn't have the football conditioning, basically do start games week in, week out, which I can see. I get it. But then there are also players like Bernardo Oliveira, uh, even you know Louis DiRigo, um, and, and some others as well, some young players who were getting a lot of starts, you know, week in, week out. Lock, Lock and Brook is the other one that was escaping my mind, of course, as well. Um, and yet, you know, Muhammad wasn't. And and that was really, uh, yeah, real surprised me because, you know, if, if they're around a similar age, you know, how come he's got these conditioning issues yet um, these other guys don't? And particularly when he had the most impact out of any of those guys, you know, the the timely goals he was scoring, not just goals, but in crucial moments as well. And the game would just change a lot when he came on. It would just change a lot. I also think Torre is a really good presser. Um, he, for a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, really good. He understands that, you know, when you're pressing basically from in to out a defender and showing him the line that you have to do that and not allow him inside to play into a midfielder, things like that. It's little things that are really good that you see with him. So... For me, I look at this move and I think, look, we know Mahmoud Torre, we know the fanfare that came out when he scored when he was 15 years old, but, you know, he needs game time. He needs game time. Now, Jeremy, I'm sure, can weigh in on this. I don't know how much he's going to see when he is so young as he is and still a little bit unproven as well. So, well, I'll throw to you now, Jeremy. Is this a situation where he's maybe actually going to be used a bit more in the youth system initially? I, I think... Probably because because you know sure the scouts have seen him and, and looked at him and so they know what to expect, uh, but it's just adapting to um, to playing in France to a season that lasts you know eleven months and and, and not just uh, just a bit less that it is here in Australia, uh, and, and playing through um, through a rough winter because winter is rough when you when you live in Reims. Uh, so so maybe that said, if you're going to go to a club at this age, Reims is the club that you want to go to especially if you're a striker. Um, last season, uh, out, out, of, out of all the games that um, Oscar Garcia is the coach, has played, you have, I think it's eight or nine players, 21 and under, who have played more than 20 games with Reims. And, and you get mainly 
up front. So of course, Hugo Ekitike that everybody talks about now because he might join um he might join Newcastle for for a record fee. He's only 19 years old, and and then he's been trusted, although we didn't know him before last season. Uh, so he was 18 when he first got his first game, and then as soon as he starts scoring, they decided to build his confidence and keep him up. Uh, El Bilal Touré is another player who's been talked about for the past two, three years. Now he was playing um, behind Boulaïdia for a while. Uh, so he started in Ligue 1 when he was 17, 18, and, and then was given the chance to prove. Uh, and then you have the, the other young player, Dion Lopi, Nathaniel Mbuku, uh, all players that are either in the midfield or up front that are under 20 years old, and they were trusted to play in Ligue 1 because Reims is uh, a setting club. It's a club that you know can't afford to just buy players here and there. So it's a club that will scout smartly try and find the good young talent and try and sell them the best and they definitely know that a young player who comes out in France and scores 10 goals like Gigitike can go for 80 million uh, so they are going to definitely try and, and get that happen and I think with Moture it's what it is you know they saw uh, they saw a pepite as we say in France a, a nugget a little gold nugget who's going to just become a, a great player uh, and they decided to try and get him in and, and get him his mate with him as well uh, I, I'm not, you know, if he comes in, if he trains well, if he's in form, if he's in shape to just play a game, he'll come in. This year, Reims has played players that were um, 17 years old, has played players that were 16 years old. Uh, so he'll he'll get some minutes. It's going to be about him making the most of it because we as a coach like Oscar Garcia, when you play up front, if you can make the most of those minutes, you're going to get some game time. The one thing that's going to be... I don't know if it's going to be very different from, from Adelaide, but obviously it's going to play in, in that balance. Is He's joining a team who's known mainly for their defensive abilities. They have a great goalkeeper, Pedra Grajkovic. Uh, they have some very um, some, some very strong defenders, Woodfess and Yunis Abdelhamid, that are all internationals in their country. Um, and they are very good at exploding in counter-attack. So he's going to have to make those ones count. Uh, and he's going to have to obviously measure really quickly to the um to the best striker play, players like El Bilal Touré or Aikitike. The reason why everybody talks about them is because they play against Paris, against Marseille, and they scored. And so as soon as you score once, then everybody talks about you in, in France. And, and if Motore wants game time and, and, and a career kind of like that, he's going to have to, to score make those one chance. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he goes quick. You know, he goes quick. But Reims is the right place to do it. Uh, you know, Ekitike, another guy you scored in Marseille. So I don't know if that's why you invited me here, uh, but but hopefully we don't we don't see Touré doing that at the Velodrome. But it's definitely a, it, it's it's a smart move if you're going to go to any team in France. Reims uh, is probably the one you want to join as a youngster. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot more better about this after that. That uh, that sounds good. <laughs> they do that well from promoting the youngster usually in France, and and Reims has definitely that history of always young striker coming up. Mm. Um, they, they have some good link with academies in Mali, in Senegal. So um, so there's that, you know, that already happens. Um, so he's just going to be probably the, the first young Australian player to do that. Well, it seems like um, them and um, Adelaide United should should create an affiliation then because it sounds like the exact same club. Selling club, <laughs> you know, development of youngsters, all this stuff. But Ian, so it seems like then... It's not guaranteed that he's going to get opportunities, but if he does and he does well, then there will be further opportunities on his way based on what based on what Jeremy said there. So I guess the thing is he's going to be now, he's going to be doing a preseason in Europe, so it's going to be different. I think they can get whatever conditioning, and I'm using 
I'm using air quotes, conditioning issue that Calvert was talking about last season. I think maybe the, the French club can can um, sort out and get him in, in shape. I guess, as Jeremy pointed out there, though, he will be playing in a team which is made more defensive and play more on the counter-attack. So he is going to have to take his opportunities when they come. And he is still a young player and he's not the most prolific in terms of being clinical in front of goal. That's something he's going to have to learn. So what are your thoughts on the move? Look, um, I just had a quick look where he is signed with. Um, he's actually signed with the B team. Yeah, so I guess he'll probably be playing in there initially. I guess the feeling and probably the hope from him and his agent will be that if he impresses, probably in the preseason as well, he'll probably be involved in around the first-team squad, maybe. You know, getting some appearances uh, off the bench, just minutes here and then, these friendlies. I guess the feeling will be if he can do well for a short amount of time in, in the B team and do well, and then maybe you get a few injuries, you get promoted into the first team squad on the bench, and who knows, whatever happens, you can get maybe a even a, Maybe yeah. even a cup game or something like that. You cup game, know. something like that. Yeah. Look, it's, um, not, it's not my, just before I throw to you again, Ian, it's not my preferred kind of, if I'm an Australian youngster, to, to go this route, but you have to be prepared to be patient. He's going to have to be patient here. You know, it's not, and, and my big thing here in these situations is that you've come from all this fanfare of being such a young, exciting talent in the A-League and everyone's, you know, all over you because, wow, look at this Mohamed Torre, this, that, and the other. Unfortunately, when you go to France, now you're just another youngster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no, that's true. That, that's very yeah. true, what you just said. Yeah, it's just, you know, in Australia, we're like, wow, we praise him, we praise him. And then when you go to France, you're, you're down the bottom of the food chain, honestly. Yeah, like, is, yeah. But um, I think that he'll enjoy his venture. Uh, adventure and his time in uh, in France because he's got um, Guinean roots and they obviously uh, speak mm. French. So I assume that he will enjoy his time there as well. Um, I think this is a weird route, as you said, because normally, I don't know, the Scotland route is now popular these days and we've had before <laughs> the Scottish Feeder League. Yeah. yeah, the Scottish Feeder League. Um, we've had maybe the Scandinavians and a little bit of Asia even, but the French one hasn't been really... Uh, use a lot. Uh, maybe Dennis Jeanru was the most recent one, and he did very well for Toulouse. One promotion. But you see the thing about just on Jeanru because he went to the second division. So I just felt like he was, and to be fair, he'd be playing the A League for a lot more, uh, for a lot more seasons, and he was, I guess, the other side of twenty where you're a bit more experienced and you can develop a bit more trust immediately in a coach, for example. But he went to the second division where he was a bit more guaranteed game time. And then definitely at the start, he was, he was playing for some phenomenal stuff. I remember uh, you can go check out on the website, frontpagefootball.net. Jeremy did a, Jeremy did a bit of profile on, on how he was going there. And, and all the signs were, he's been absolutely fantastic. And then he scored a goal towards the end of the season, which, which helped them secure promotion as well. But um, yeah, Ian, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah. No, but it's just interesting to see this pathway that um, Toure has chosen. I, I think, I don't think it will backfire. Let's just say that. I don't think it will be like a first example comes to my head, Azani type of style. Whereas, you know, just wandering around around Europe, maybe like the lower leagues. I, I do think uh, Toure isn't the type of player. I think he's, I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, that And also he's going back to, as I said, he's Guinean background. They speak French there. So I think that he will really enjoy his stay there. Um, maybe possibly go on loan somewhere. If something doesn't work out, he's he's still 18. So it's not like, you know, massive jump, um, 
you know, at the age of 24, okay, I've got to do something right now. He's still at 18. Look, I, I wish him all the best. Um, but yeah, as I said, we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, that's all I can add, really. I'm not, I, I, as I said, I'm just not too sure what we'll, what we'll see. We'll see, will Toure be performing, uh, playing in France regularly or will he be promoted to the senior team? Or again, I, I'm not too sure. At this well, stage. it could be. The other thing is, could he look at someone like Alu Kual as an inspiration where you go to the B team and you secure your spot in the B team and basically just be a regular scorer for one season in the B team? And then we saw with Alu, of course, get the loan move then halfway through the season to a second division team. Now, that hasn't really, well, that didn't really work out. He got sent off in one of the games for a really <laughs> bad tackle. Um, so I don't know. See, in these situations, I just think if. Be be content with I'm in the B team and I'm going to perform and forget about just being promoted for the senior team for a second. Just perform in the B team, do as well as I can, score goals, try and cement a spot in this team first. And then mm-hmm. if I can do that for a season, then come next preseason, okay, now the first team manager might have my eye on me because I'm one of the better players in the B team. And then now in the preseason camps, in the friendlies, I can impress in the training sessions, this, that, and the other. And then who knows what happens from there. I think there's a couple of things in what you guys said that, that, are, that are definitely true. Um, you know, all those players that I, that I mentioned before, they were all um, they were all Brent's B, like the, the Brent's attacks at the beginning of the season was supposed to be Zanelli, Berisha, uh, and Moreto, Kasama, I think his name is, which are all like 22, 28 years old, but those guys didn't perform. So the, the strikers from the reserves then came up and started playing some more games. So that, that's why I think that he'll get his chance if he performs well. Of, of course, like you guys said as well, when it comes to France, is a nobody in the sense that every single French player that is going to meet at Reims or in the reserves or in every other team are players that were that good at 12, mm. 13, 14 years old, that they were picked by bigger clubs and to, to join their academy and to grow with them. So, so regardless, it's going to be a win-win for him because he's just going to learn how those guys are playing. He's just going to progress because he's going to be facing talent and playing next to talent uh, from the preseason onwards. It's also uh, an interesting season for, for two reasons in France. First, of course, the World Cup is in, is in November, December. So you really have, like almost in Argentina, an, uh, an, oper- an apertura and a closura where the, the season is going to be stopping for six weeks before starting again. So it's going to be another uh, chance for him to, to get his conditioning back up because that's what the teams are going to do well, in that moment. That's interesting. Sorry, Jeremy, because it's almost like you could have two pre-seasons here in one season. So, exactly. yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's that's great for him. The The other thing that is a bit, um, a bit new this year in France is at the end of this season, Ligue 1 goes from 20 team to 18 team. So this season, four teams are getting relegated. So there's definitely going to be a bit of pressure on those clubs, and, and Reims is one of them, uh, who need to secure their their survival in Ligue 1 as early as possible. Uh, so so that, again, that plays both ways. You know, if, if the team works well straight away, he's going to stay where he is and not have any chance. But if the team doesn't score goals, they'll try and rotate, and whoever plays well in, in reserves or, or does well in training will be given their chance to see if they, if they can shine. Uh, but yeah, you know, it says that it signs for... for the second team of Reims, of course, they say that regardless, because otherwise you're adding a lot of pressure. And, and in France, we're very, we're very big on the fact that all our 
youth players should come from the academy. So when he was um, when he was signed, he was signed as um, we, we call that post formation. So um, they're in an academy somewhere else, and they spend the last year of their academy with the club to be shown the ways of the club before they touch um, the, the 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 first team football. So that's that's why he's announced. But but like I said, if there's any teams that are going to give you a chance. It's Reims. I mean, I was I was counting quickly right now. They've played 44 players this season. Um, so they definitely go in and take players in their reserves. But then it's a double-edged sword, though, because you can get that opportunity, but then if he doesn't take it, then he'll be out and the next guy will come in. And then who knows when the opportunity will come back around again. It's like a merry-go-round. So he's got to take it when it comes a little bit. If he wants, if he wants to get it up and running straight away. Now I just think if he's got good advice around him, it would be stay patient, look how young you are, look how much potential you got, just focus on the here and now, the B team, get it right. But, you know, we know what football agents are like. Anyway, so Yaya Dekuli was the other one who joined him. Now, Yaya Dekuli. So <laughs> just on Yaya Dekuli. So he's Mohamed Torre's cousin, number one. And earlier on in this A-League season, he was, and I could know this for sure, he was heavily linked with the Mariners and the Jets and pretty sure with like trials were happening, this sort of thing, and he was going to go to one of those clubs. Now, maybe whatever happens, maybe Torre's agent has gone in his ear and said, look, don't go there, wait out the season, I'll put in a good word for you, and then you can come with with Mo to, to France. Maybe that's what's happened here, I don't know. But uh, this guy barely played last year. Carl Viet didn't trust him at all. And I'm struggling to see how if Carl Viet doesn't trust you in the A-League, how a French club known for, for their academy products is going gonna, is gonna to trust you. I reckon that has just gone like, okay, you can pick one of your cousins and you can come to France and it's more just like, yeah, I'll go with Yaya de Cooley. It's like, okay, we'll give him a contract. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah, I think it's more just like a, like a mate, you know what I mean? So okay. do you want to like your roommate mm-hmm. or whatever, they're taking photos together on Instagram or whatever. But um. Yeah, this is just a weird one as well. I just I don't know how this happened, to be honest. It, it, what, what's funny about this is I, I looked at when, um, I think in the Adelaide United press release when they were uh, announcing the two transfers and they said, uh, Yaya Dekuli was included in part of the, sorry, in part of the deal. And it was like, hang on a minute. No, no, but but they're signing your player. You're not <laughs> you're not signing the players for them. What do you mean? <laughs> so it was just weird seeing the wording of that. But um, I don't know, Jeremy. I guess it's the same sort of thing with with uh, Yaya. It, it would just be you know uh, in the B team, try and focus on that, and then when the chance comes, the chance comes. But I think it might be harder for him because first of all, he's older, and then he comes with less reputation than Muhammad. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it wasn't sold that way in France. I was reading the difference in the uh, in the press release. Of course, it wasn't said that he was the uh, you know the the second wheel or the um, the sidekick that, that was coming. It was announced together. But in Australia, it definitely sounded like uh, you know it was like you need somebody that. Um, but it was weird. Because- it, sorry, it was weird as well because it was like Adelaide were almost like, yeah, here you can just have him as part of the deal because we're not really going to use him anymore. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. I mean, what you say exactly when it says is including the deal. It's not like they didn't scout him, but hey, we send one, we send two. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, maybe it's to help. It's to help more to uh, um, adapt better to have uh, to have someone who uh, who speaks Australian in case something goes on. Uh, speaks English with an Australian accent, I should say. Uh, so maybe that's where it came from. Look, it's, it's the same thing. If if he decides to become great, he's in the right spot. Um, but we've we've definitely, um, I guess 
get to hold our breath a little bit less for Ducuri than we have for for Touré. You know, expect a good surprise. We never know. But uh, yeah, when I saw that the second one was joining, I was looking him up. I was like, oh wait, I didn't see him play too much. <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, maybe that's why. Uh, Christian, just quickly, do yeah. does Adelaide get a transfer fee from this? I'd hope so. <laughs> Reselling fee I saw somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they should definitely get something for this. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, anyway, any last things to add on this uh, on this French flavored Oz football section that we've got going on here? Oh, just quickly uh, while we're on the French stuff, got two questions. Two questions to Jeremy. So number one. Uh, Alex goes back. Any news on him? Uh, he started the first preseason game today. It was okay. this morning early. So I just saw that. I just saw Antoine, who's the, the Twitter account, uh, um, A-League France, uh, who, who I talked to here and there. Um, I saw him posting that and I looked it up. Yeah, he started the first preseason game. So he, he didn't finish too bad with Grenoble after shout, losing by the his way, spot. Shout out to uh, A-League France because he gave us a shout out a few weeks ago. So shout out to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Anton, Anton's a good guy. Uh, so, so yeah, so he, he started. Um, he's lost his spot for a bit last year. He, he made a few a few mistakes, unfortunately, for him. But then he finished the season pretty well. So uh, so let's see if he can uh, if he can stay playing in League 2 under uh, under Grenoble, and uh, I can't remember the name of the coach, but that defensive coach. And also, uh, my other question, uh, Dennis Jean-Rue with Toulouse, how do you see that unfolding next season? But it looks really exciting, um, but I don't know. Yeah, you know more than French football than me, but... I feel, uh, just, sorry, sorry to interject there. I feel like they're going to bring in some other midfielder and he might just be knocked out the team a little bit. I, I think Jeremy might be heading that way with his answer too. I don't know. Well, he wasn't a starter to... St- did in Ligue 2, right? He started playing a lot of football when, uh, what's his name? Uh, De Geiger, the um, the Belgium guy, got injured. Um, that's when Denis Jean saw the most football when the other midfielder was injured. The star, of course, is Branko van den Boomen uh, at Toulouse, the Dutch guy. And that guy hasn't come back to training. Uh, he's actually MIA. Everybody's waiting to see if he's coming back to Toulouse or if he's going to be transferred somewhere else. Uh, so if they sell maybe him, he's, uh, maybe he's having coffee with Cristiano Ronaldo because apparently Cristiano Ronaldo is uh, MIA as well. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. All the real superstars, right? Toulouse and Ronaldo. <laughs> um, so, so if he doesn't come back, obviously it's great for the New Zealand because it's chances for him. But Toulouse, whenever a team comes in Liga, they try to bring all the players that nobody else wanted that got relegated to bring experience. Toulouse is not that club, so so that's good news for the New Zealand. Toulouse is a club who really pack themselves and really want to go in Liga and use most of their league the player and give them the chance to to learn again the fact that there's four teams being relegated at the end of the season he's going to have to take his chances uh, he's going to play against some phenomenal players um, so he's, he's going to have to learn quick if you want to 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 make his dip he wasn't a starter in league 2 so um, you know when he comes to Liga he probably won't be a starter it's going to be about when he comes in um, yeah, learning fast, making the right choices. If you make a mistake in Liga, um, like literally everybody talks about you for ages on social media. Liga is is followed by everyone, even if they're not from Toulouse. So if he's lucky enough, he, he scores a um, a famous Australian scorpion kick in his second game, and then and then he can get all the right press. But uh, yeah, it's people fingers are crossed, fingers crossed. PSG, I guess PSG at the park. The park in front. I just hope I'm just, with if, you there. Let Let's hope he starts. At the Parc de Prince against PSG against Marco Verratti, and he just dominates the game. And then we can just have all these memes about Dennis Genre having Marco Verratti in his pockets and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. He's got good chances. Yeah. Toulouse is the right club to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's good. All right. Let's uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back. We're going to talk about... Uh, yeah, it feels like we're four years ago at the moment when I say this, but we're going to talk about Usain Bolt and some of his comments on the A-League recently. Okay, so Usain Bolt. Yeah, that's right. Usain Bolt's name is just being brought into the Front Page Football Podcast. So anyway, Usain Bolt's comments. Ian, you've probably got them up in front of you, I'd imagine, or... Or not? Anyway, do you want to do you want to just re <laughs> re uh, rehash the uh, comments that Usain Bolt made about his stint in the A League with the Mariners? Yeah, so this is on our front page football Twitter and our Facebook accounts. It says Usain Bolt about his time in Australia. Quote: I made a mistake when I retired from track and field. I didn't want to stay near it because of the media. I went to Australia, but the level of football there wasn't good. I should have stayed in Europe. End quote. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, if... So first of all, I've written on my page here, my notes for this. Um, Usain Bolt dot dot, first dot point, what a moron. So <laughs> there you go. And here's why. First of all, if this league quality is so bad, like you talk about, then why don't you get a contract, number one? Oh, but, you know, the funds, you know, they, they only offered me this and I wanted this. I'm sorry. You're... Have you ever played football before and you're like the wrong side of 30 and you want to come in here and ask for $3 million from a club which displays sauce <laughs> bottles at their stadium? <laughs> Do you understand the insanity of this comment? Anyway, and oh man, and, and almost like the nonchalant way that he says like, you know, oh, I should have you know, I should have stayed in Europe. You know, it's like I should have stayed in Europe. I would have got a contract there. It's like, um, no. Sorry. Wait, sorry, Christian, when he said Europe, does he mean Gibraltar, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, does he mean San Marino or somewhere in Malta? Like, you know, a football pitch by the pool actually, or by the... That's actually offensive to like San Marino players. Hey, they get batted every single time they play, but they know how to control a freaking ball. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Nah, yeah. for, for me, I just think it's one of those comeback uh, ex-player or wannabe footballer saying something about the A-League and then people on Twitter... Getting the revenge, saying, "Yeah, nice, like you, Christian. You just had that mini rant, moron." Well, again, if if it was so bad here, why didn't you want to play? I mean, why didn't you get the opportunity to play? Do you know what I mean? And again, he wasn't. No offense. I mean, that guy was the quickest f- person in on the planet. There's no doubt about that. Gold medals, Olympics. He's done everything in terms of track and field. But there's a completely different game from well, we're just track and field we're just talking football. about it with with Mbakoto. You know, you can't just have the pace. You got you got to have the yeah. technical there as well. Jeremy was just talking about it. So there's a bit of that. But um, and and Usain Bolt, yeah. I think John Kuzmina wrote this at the time when he was trying the Mariners. John Kuzmina said that um, Usain Bolt runs in a straight line uh, for most of his runs, mm. except mm. for maybe 200, obviously, but. Um, so and it's completely different from football. You're gonna do a lot of uh, swerving in and out, um, touch the ball, release. Do you know what I mean? You don't really get that in the track and field environment. So again, idiotic comment. Don't want to talk about like. Are you sure? Waste. Are you sure you don't get that in track and field environment? As you're running your 200 meters, someone passes yeah. the ball and you got to lay it off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then you got to just do like you know, do that bell run. Yeah, you got to do that. You saying got to do the bell run on the sideline and go around yeah, the maybe, defender, not straight. <laughs> I know. Maybe if they got him to do the 200 meters with the ball a few times, then he might have got uh, gotten it better. But yeah, I just. Yeah, I just think it's my my big uh, fear coming out of this is that the Australian media is going to start portraying this as like him not like him being correct in a sense that it's like 
you know, how, how, yeah, <laughs> like, like reporting it as if, oh, Usain Bolt says this about the <sighs> A-League. And it's like, um, sorry, guys, you know, if we want to talk about, you know, how I should be running or how my running technique is, then by all means, let's get Usain Bolt's opinion. But, you know, we've got enough people as it is talking about the state of Australian game. I, I don't need some, you know, some hundred meter sprinter to tell to tell me about what the state of the game is you know, and the quality of the game. You know, I, I think the, the probably the worst thing in there is he doesn't realize how disrespectful he is to everyone, mm-hmm. um, and and he's and he's, he's he's tarnishing his own brand, like you said, he's a champion. Uh, but if you're a champion, you also know what you're a champion at. He's not, you know, he's not a hurdle runner. He's not a long jumper. He's a hundred meter. Runner, so you know your, you know how much work you have to put on to be good at that. You know the guy who finished eighth when you win the Olympic medal, how much work he had to put on to finish eighth at the Olympic Games. And you're going to come to a football club and think that you're better than anybody else. It's it's just it's just them. I hope that you know the the media wouldn't dare saying that about about both. But yeah, he he definitely covered himself. I, I think you know if we if you try to to defend him. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to defend him. Uh, he's just he's just done what he did. You, you, you can't say that. Like, if you're in Europe, you're not going to play anywhere. The only reason you get a trial to start with is because you're Usain Bolt. If you weren't Usain Bolt, no one would even look at you. If you weren't the fastest guy on the planet, no one would look at you. You got lucky enough that you took a kid's spot in the Mariners trial because you're Usain Bolt. Just, just stay in and your think place. About, and think about all the MPL players who go for trials at A-League clubs and they get turned down. You know, like... Not fast enough. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> look, yeah. Like my, look, my, my uh, overarching opinion here was like, let's just ignore this guy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, I don't know why four years later after his failed trial, he, he's brought this up in an, in an interview. Um, oh, but Christian, sorry. Yeah. He did play, he did um, trial with uh, Man United and Borussia Dortmund. So, you know, like it goes on the resume, I guess, had trials, <laughs> you know, like, you know, that kid that like, you know, says, oh, I had trials with this club, I, I had swear- trials at West Ham and something. <laughs> yeah, I swear as well with like the Borussia Dortmund trial, I reckon like, I don't know who it was, I reckon it was like Marco Royce or someone was like interviewed from Dortmund about it and, and you know, Usain Bolt trial and stuff like that. And they didn't like, <laughs> like they didn't totally say like, you know, oh, he's, he's garbage or anything like that. Because obviously I guess, you, you know, you don't want to say that. But it was just kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you have Usain and yeah, you know, yeah, he's quick and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, yeah, guys, yeah. guys, cut the bullshit. He's crap. All right. He doesn't know. <laughs> he's just rubbish, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, but you know yeah, what, though? I, yeah. will, I will give Usain Bolt that he did bring some PR into the league. That was nice to see, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, that's. That's great, but I mean, I think we would prefer to see it with things like you know, we'd actually, I'd actually yeah. much prefer to see it through like the Ninkovich move, for example, yeah, and yeah, see yeah. that sort of PR and and things like that. So, um, you know, uh, Usain, if you're listening to this, which you probably is because you know we're massive. Um, so <laughs> if you are, um, you know, don't don't disrespect our game because you know you couldn't get a you couldn't get a contract with uh, the worst team in the league at the time. So yeah, and. Um, I don't want to hear this stuff about like, oh, but you know, look at the goals he scored against, you know, that team. And it's like, that was like a select 11, just a load of like crap amateur players. So yeah, I probably could have scored in that game. So yeah. Oh, oh okay. Hmm. No, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but at least you're not the one wanting 3 million a year. That's it. That's a, the thing as well. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, who's his? That's the other thing. Who's his like? Who's his agent like advising him on this stuff? Doesn't he do like his research into like Australian football? And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. They've only got a salary. They don't even have a salary cap of three million, let alone offering, <laughs> let alone offering my client three million a year. Um, and and it's not like you know he did a trial at Sydney FC or Melbourne Victory where the money is either. So, yeah, just bizarre. Um, Jeremy, any, any last thoughts on uh, this? Uh, here we go. I'm going to coin this insane Usain uh, comment today. Stay in your lane. We. Hey. hey you stay in your lane. Which nice is one. relevant because you got to stay in your lane. So yeah. good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, Ian, any any last thoughts before we go? We're going to keep this one. Uh, I reckon it's about an hour and fifteen that we've been recording this. So yeah, it's uh, short and sweeter than usual. Oh, okay. Um, just quickly, Jeremy, because we had a, a French episode. So how do you rate Australia's chances against France in the um, upcoming World Cup? Do you think Australia uh, have a chance to get revenge? Uh, I mean, it's the first game of the World Cup, right? Anything can happen. Um, if, if Australia comes at full strength, you know, if, if you get guys like Ari Soutar back and, uh, and, and everybody is ready to play, uh, but there's a chance. It's the, it's the first game. So that's the, the game that you want to face France. You don't want to face France when they really have to win to be able to get to the next stage, right? The first game, you can you can, you can can lose it. If I'm, you know, I'm a French fan, obviously, uh, I'd rather lose game one so that then everybody's head uh, straight away put into the right side and, and then you know that they can make a mistake, but at least they've evacuated the mistake. So, you know, if anything, I'd rather Australia win so that then uh, it's great for Australia and it's great for France because they'll just refocus and, and win everything else and, and bring a, a third star on our shirts. And uh, before I forget, Jeremy as well, he's got an uh, interview hopefully coming out soon uh, on as an FPF podcast. We'll upload that uh, soon. I'm hoping maybe later this week, maybe next week. We'll see. Um, interview with Ross Aloisi, of course, who uh, recently was appointed. Maybe not recently anymore. It's been a while now. But uh, yeah, he's been uh, really adapting to that role with Yokohama under Kevin Musket. And uh, yeah, Jeremy, what? how was it like uh, talking to Ross? Awesome. He's great. Three three months ago, yeah, he joined the, the Yokohama Marinos. Uh, it really was an awesome interview, um, you know, very candid. Uh, and we spoke about, he used to play in France, he used to play in Lorient. So we spoke about French football a little bit, and then we made some comparison with, with Japanese football. It's interesting, you know, the whole chat with Moture, um, you'll hear in the interview, he talks about, you know, why he should have stayed in France. Uh, when he was there, also instead of moving out, uh, so so really a lot of good stuff. Like I'm I'm looking forward uh, to it being published. Uh, and and Ross, it's just a top guy, um, very very uh, approachable. And and you know of course thanks Christian for uh, making it happen and allowing me to like get in touch with with him and his media team to to interview him because uh, I I really had a good time talking with with Ross Aloisi. You guys listening, you're not going to be disappointed. Uh, get in when we when we put it out. Yeah, it's funny um, with Ross because he's got this reputation of being um, a little bit crazy and a little bit aggressive. And yet you, because I've uh, listened to the interview uh, myself and yeah, he, he does come across very approachable and John's the same. I've got a funny actually Ross Aloisi story that I'll tell you. So um, every now and then, obviously during the season, I'll go down to, to Adelaide for the pre-match press conferences, ask a few questions and stuff like that. And anyway, they had uh, one week uh, or one press conference. They obviously kept... They kept the session open uh, afterwards for the media to stay and take photos and and watch the open training session as well. And anyway, I'm I'm there on uh, the Western Grandstand at Highmarsh, just kind of sitting on the lower tier, and right over 
kind of near me is Ross and he's having this conversation with, I think it was Lucas Pantelis, who now, of course, Exile United, who now I'm pretty sure works with the PFA um, as well. And anyway, they're having some having some sort of disagreement about uh, something to do with uh, the COVID vaccine and players and this, that and the other. And and Lucas is, you know, he's kind of not not really like going out or anything. He's just kind of like explaining it to Ross and blah, blah. And Ross is like, you know, just kind of in his face, like about this thing. He's like, no, no, but you know, in this club, you know, this is the rules of this club, but the rules are different for us and this and the other. And he's like going in. Anyway, I'm standing, I'm sitting away from him a little bit, kind of in the stand just by myself. And they had this big argument. And then Ross turns over to me and he says, hey, you should film this, you know, film this and post it, <laughs> film this and post it as a joke. But uh, yeah, it's just just funny to see the the thing about Ross is that um I think it's I think it's good for for guys like us because he he's probably much more approachable and uh he's willing to kind of have that conversation and stuff but uh he's probably the type of guy that if you get on his wrong side he might um you know he's uh probably not going to be the nicest person to talk to but <laughs> he'll let you know yeah, he'll let you know but uh yeah we'll um yeah really looking forward to really looking forward to dropping that one soon and uh yeah it should be really good interesting um listen as well all right uh we are gonna go um i reckon it's uh it's a monday night and i'm getting uh tired so <laughs> yeah uh ian what about what about you got anything uh got anything oh well we did have of course yesterday uh, a special interview dropped with aaron evans who of course is an australian footballer based in indonesia uh defender and he's been uh yeah he's been there for a few years Some crazy stuff there in indonesia about the fan culture and things like that, which you touched on the interview. And uh, yeah, Ian, I'll let you uh, let you plug that for a little bit if you want. Yeah, no, that I really enjoyed that interview. It was a really good to get an insight into Aaron. And because um, I read on the ABC as well, there was a feature that said um, some players that didn't go through the Australian system. Aaron Evans from Canberra, there's no A-League team there. There was no pathway for him. So he got a contract in Hong Kong, then moved to Thailand, then moved to Laos. And now he's in Indonesia and he's been there since 2017. And it was just incredible to get his insight. Just he had um, <clears throat> a meeting in a cafe at 9.30 after a game, face down contract. And he said, okay, let's go, let's do it. But then five days later, he's starting in, in Hong Kong, his professional um, career, basically in Hong Kong. Then he plays in an All-Stars game um, for the Laos All-Star, the Laos Premier League All-Stars, but he never played a game in Laos. So that's very weird. I don't know how that happened, but he told me that happened. And then in Indonesia, he just gave me some fascinating stories. Like, And this is a footballer, unfortunately, we just don't know because I think there's a bit of bias towards everything has to be Europe. You know, everything has to be Europe or whatever. But Aaron has really built his portfolio in Indonesia. He he's actually really big. He's like a really big personality. He's got all these endorsements. Uh, I saw him like release a fragrance recently or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just fascinating to get an insight into what football is like in Indonesia. It's such a country. It's the country really very close to us. Only a few hour flights away, uh, a few hours away. Um, and we don't, we don't really know much about it. I bet you no one really knows a team from Indonesia. I can't name one player there. So um to get that insight from him and it's true what he said about like the fan violence that it really is the world's most dangerous league as some people say because there are so many riots there's so many underground activity that happens that no one sees under the carpet so um now i really thank aaron for his time he gave me a dm as well saying look help me and i'll help you thank you so much for your time and so on so what so um it was, I really enjoyed that interview. It was fascinating to get an insight. And um, yeah, I, he, 
I know, I know. Like he won the Indonesian Cup, and let's see how he go this year because he's the. I think since 2017, he's played the most minutes and most cap player in the Indonesian league, which is quite incredible to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you can catch all of this stuff. Um, of course, Jeremy's interview will be up on this podcast on this food feed soon, and then you can, uh, of course, catch. Ian's article is already up on WWE. Oh, sorry, Jeremy. Last Whoa, time, last... cut me off. Oops. Cut sorry. me off mid-plug. What the hell? Sorry, sorry. Jeremy, anyway, just quick. Hang on, hang on. Ian, I'm plugging your article, man. That you can find on www.frontpagefootball.net. All right, Ian, as you were saying. Sorry oh, for the God. interruption. I just, I just, I've got this sense of urge just to interrupt people as soon as something gets to my head. Sorry. But, <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> Australia to... To get out of the group stage of the World Cup, yes or no? To get out? Nah. Okay. I think that I think I even think Denmark finished ahead of France. I think it's Dan- Denmark one, France two, and then Australia three, Tunisia four, maybe. But Denmark is probably stronger than France in the groups. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. On that note, we will leave it there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. I've got, this, I've got this issue of really wrapping up podcasts. I just it's just football, you know. Just gonna keep talking about it. it just can't stop. But uh, anyway, we'll leave it there. Catch all that stuff, like we said, and yeah, hopefully we'll be back on this feed probably later in this week, maybe end of the week. Uh, we won't do a Thursday night pod this week, but uh, maybe a Sunday night one that could be out next week. We'll see. So yeah. Uh, we're not, uh, it's not like we're stringent to, um, you know, a contract here where we have to upload like, uh, all these podcasts, weekly podcasts and stuff. It's, it's kind of casual. So, but that's how we like it. So anyway, from me, Jeremy and Ian, that'll be all. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully you can listen to us soon. Yeah. Merci. Merci beaucoup.